The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to The Waiting Room, a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Soy, and joining me as always here on the SJP World Media Network as we see out the end of Quantum Leap Season 2 is Mr. Benny Mac. How are we doing, sir? He's missing in action. No, I'm not joking. Uh, I know, I'm <laughs> doing well, mate. <laughs> I can't believe we're actually at the end of uh, the season, to be honest with you. Um Obviously, we had a break, like I said before, on previous episodes. So uh, the fact that we've finally got here is—it's uh, <laughs> almost. Uh, I feel kind of sad, almost to be. To be, I know we got another like three seasons to go, but like it's almost like a an end of an era, I suppose, in a weird way, which is not quite there yet. So this is it. Sense, but you know. It feels like the first proper season of Quantum Leap. I mean, with regards to the waiting room itself, um, I don't think the schedule is going to be altering too much. I, I think we've gained a bit of momentum now. We'll keep banging shows out as and when we can. But with regards to the programme we're watching along for the waiting room, as in Quantum Leap, it's the end of the first real full season, I guess, because season one was only, what, nine episodes, Benny? Yeah, it was. Yeah, this has obviously got a uh, full-on... 22 episodes so um yeah nine episodes for the first season to be honest sometimes when you see a season with only nine episodes i mean nowadays it's more of a thing because you want to um have a more in-depth story in some of these tv shows but like for a nine series thing you think is that really going to be picked up for season two obviously it was so here we are so we've got 20 we've as of today we've done all 22 episodes once we conclude this obviously it'd be 22 episodes of season two done and dusted man it's um yeah, that's it. That's it. We've got. I think it's the same number in season three, four, and five. I think are they twenty-two episodes each? I think they are, aren't they? Um, do you know what? I think yeah. Season three is twenty-two. Season four has twenty-two. I think you're right. Twenty-two, and I don't know. Season five might be a bit less. I could be no. It's twenty-two as well. You're right. So we oh, have, okay. So they are. That's our uh, format from going forward. We there are. we go. There <laughs> we go. <laughs> yes. So this episode of Quantum Leap, as we said, is the twenty-second episode of season two, entitled MIA. And Sam has leapt into a well. <laughs> it's a bit misleading initially. The date is April first, nineteen sixty-nine, and we're led to believe at first glance that Sam has leapt into a woman again, and Sam's objections to this are quite clear he's like he's tottering around in his heels moaning about being a woman <laughs> looks in the mirror and sees that he's actually a, a fella dressed as a woman but not as in just sam dressed as a woman his mirror reflection is a man dressed as a woman benny isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes yeah so it's added another layer on top of it <laughs> so in beforehand we already has been uh, a woman in several occasions now it's sam portrayed as a woman and whereas this is a bloke dressed up as a woman but is actually a bloke that he's, yeah so it, yeah if you go in too much you, don't, you could probably confuse yourself to be honest. yes <laughs> yeah. um the basic gist of this is that he, sam has leapt into a guy named jake rawlins who is a detective 
um, and he and his partner are supposed, well, his partner is very, very good at the whole undercover aspect of the job, and Sam's, um, the person Sam has stepped into, Jake, is his new is his new partner. He's new, new to the job, so he's relatively new to this whole undercover I suppose, aspect of the work. But as Sam is stood there, sort of looking at his own reflection uh, with the big wig and the um, the short skirt and so on, two, I suppose, I mean, I, in my notes, I've got them described as dirty scrubs, uh, two unsavoury types, shall we say, fall out of a, a room, uh, out, of a, out of a building into the alleyway where Sam is, shouting and yelling, they got guns. And as Sam is stood there looking at what's going on, we hear a voice coming effectively from Sam's handbag, which is a weird sentence in itself. <laughs> and we, we have, um, there's a, there's a uh, walkie talkie in there. So it comes apparent to the viewer quite quickly what's going on. Sam is a, a police officer and there's a gun in there as well. And Sam's a bit like, what's going on? And then he gets shot at and so on uh, before police arrive and start shooting back at the two perpetrators while Sam cowers behind um, a bin or a skip of some description until it's all calmed down and the the dirty scrub bad guys are basically arrested and pinned up against the building and, and so on for you know opening fire on a police officer and, and all this. Quite an all-action intro to this episode, Benny, isn't it? It's, uh, it, you know, you have that initial, like, comedy aspect of... Oh no, not a woman again! And then he looks at Mary. Oh, I'm a bloke dressed as a woman with earrings on, a wig on, with lipstick, yeah. nine yards <laughs> going on here. And then, yeah, as you've already laid it out, all the all these two unsavory um, characters are coming out. His partner's inside chasing them. He's Sam's character supposed to be there to head them off, but doesn't actually have a clue what's going on. And then he's basically face to face with two gunmen. Uh, one of which is more of a bit of a uh, one's a bit dappy, I think, to be honest, and the other one's just mm. a, a downright freaking scumbag to be fair and then we have the opening credits and you're like what the frick is going on here because we've got sam now literally staring down the barrels of two guns and then when we come back from the intro it just all kicks off and then there's gunfights going on but i i love i didn't notice this I, I said i didn't notice it before it's been a while since i've seen this episode but when sam dives to the right to go behind the dumpster um they have a they make a point of zooming in on his shoes his high heels that he was wearing so he's literally dove out of his shoes to get take up <laughs> uh, uh, i found that i don't know why that, can, that made me laugh a little bit but uh, yeah. yeah sam's basically got his head down and there's gunfire coming from two coppers at the the the, the only way out of the alleyway and his uh what's his partner's name skags that's right um so yeah gets a bit of that going on it's, it's all going on basically man like you said it's a high hot thing sort of and then it all calms down eventually. But uh, yeah, Sam's covered in glass and wigs and lipstick, and it's it's all going on. <laughs> it is quite it is quite funny as well as you know a high paced opening, I guess. And and when his partner, uh, who was referred to as Skags, goes over to check if Sam is okay, the wig falls off. And I mean, to the people going to see Sam or or Jake, obviously they don't know the scenario. <laughs> Jake said undercover. They don't realise obviously that Sam's leapt in and all this sort of stuff. Uh, and when they go and see him to check if he's okay, effectively their friend is just led there in a skirt going, I'm a man, as the wig falls <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, his mate goes, I think, is your partner all right? He goes, I think he might have concussion. Yes. And then he starts talking, Skag starts talking to Sam about, um, obviously it's uh, Rawlins, but uh, Rawlins to him. But um, so, yeah, he's saying, you, you know, you, you're not James Bond. You can't use this. Uh, he's got an automatic gun, which the, uh, I think, I can't remember what the gun's called. But um, it's all for PPK. 
There you go. But it's what James Bond used in the early, well, in most films, to be fair, um, in the early days, especially. So all the all the old timers are using like revolvers, you know, they don't jam. <laughs> so he assumes the gun's jammed and not gone off at all. But actually, he realizes that the uh, the gun safety's still on. So Sam never actually fired the thing at all. Um, but then we get led into this story from this this sort of like funny yet action packed intro to a story straight away from um his partner skaggs roger skaggs about when he was in um it, it, i can't remember where he was now in the oh, was it vietnam it must be he says vietnam yes i think yeah so. so um a lot of foreshadowing on this one as well uh i noticed as uh, as we're obviously as we're tidying up and finishing this season foreshadowing what's coming almost next not straight away but pretty much in the first two episodes aren't we it's almost got that foreshadowing but obviously the story as we'll get through um obviously there's a lot of foreshadowing coming uh in this episode to be fair yeah i enjoyed the whole i suppose digging at him winding him up and so on about thinking he's james bond with his gun yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean this is 1969 so we'd have had oh, how many bond i mean dr no was what 62 so you'd have had dr no um, from russia with love goldfinger thunderball that takes you into sort of 66 67 so they'd have had a good selection of very you know iconic bond titles by this even this early point in 69 wouldn't they yeah so there's a lot obviously james bond is a it's it, it took off didn't it it's a spy espionage so obviously this uh young because uh, he's a newly um the person that sam's leapt into uh jake rawlins is a new he's the new boy isn't he is the new detective yes. he's recently promoted um so he's still kind of the um you know, being you know, he's teamed up. You, you don't choose your partner. Obviously, your partner gets assigned. You're assigned to each other. So, um, he's with Skaggs. So, I think the relationship between those two is very new because we also get a little scene a bit later on, which we'll get to. But he does mention about um, Jake. Uh, Jake, uh, sorry, Roger Skaggs. His uh, partner says you need to meet my uh, my wife's been asking. Well, my partner's been asked to meet you, uh, as in his wife or his mm. Lisa. Said he says Lisa, doesn't he? And Sam's like, oh, that's your wife, isn't it? And he's like, oh, that's disrespectful. So he's kind of like. He's not like a dick, actually, to be fair. He's got that sort of like sturdiness to him because he's an ex-soldier and stuff about him. You can see that he you can see that he's quite a serious bloke, this Roger Skaggs, but telling us the yeah. stuff about freezing up and everything is um it's quite heavy, you know, considering what's just gone on, <laughs> really. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I like it as well because straight away you kind of get this impression that it, very early on it gives you the impression of who who Skaggs is because He's making out that the gun uh, jammed, the gun locked up, and that's why he, you know, Jake or Sam is criticised for carrying this this automatic, and they're telling him you need to carry a revolver because you'll live longer. But when Skaggs looks at the gun, he sees that the safety is still on. So it's not a case of the gun jamming. It's a case of the gun was never even attempted to be fired. And Skaggs covers for him by, again, telling his superiors that the the gun jammed and so on so straight away we're seeing that he's covering for his new partner and and so on so we get a little insight into uh, the sort of person he is very early on don't we benny yeah as i said he comes uh he, he, if you just look by just by his look to be honest he seems quite a stern person but again he's covering for his newly uh, acquired partner um, and then he proceeds to tell him about a story about when he froze up so as i said mm. so, um 
I think it's uh, when it's needed. Like if it happened again, maybe I would say that he would probably, you know, there would have to be because if you're unable to fire your gun when you're under attack in those situations, you wouldn't last on the force very long. I don't think. Well, not in the states. No, especially not in the states. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, we then see Sam and Skaggs heading back to the station and the locker room. I suppose it would be. And Sam's locker is full of ladies' underwear and lingerie and so on, winding him up because he's dressed in drag for this particular undercover mission. And it's it's you know, Al arrives and starts saying it's a bit of a hazing. It's like a it's like a frat house and so on. And Sam throws himself into this, and I really like this because normally he doesn't. I think we're seeing Sam kind of loosen up a little bit on certain leaps now as, as compared to what we've seen in the past because he throws himself into this and starts having a bit of a laugh and a joke and you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the term, but the banter, I suppose, is flying back and forth between everybody. And he really sort of jumps in with both feet into that role, doesn't he? Yeah, I saw they've. One thing I will say before I say about that is that he's walked back into the station. Okay, yes, he can't really do much about the clothes, but he's still wearing the heels and still. (laughs) Why? Why? Okay, but okay, whatever. Um, and obviously Al's there. It's the heel, Sam. You know, you and he's even even Al's like, you know, teasing him a little bit, like, oh, you'd look good in X, Y, and Z or whatever. But there's so much lingerie in that freaking. I'm I don't know where they ever lost and found of that. So I don't know whether it's like streetwalkers or whatever. I don't know where they all got this stuff from. Um, and then he, like you said, he dives into it. He starts pulling stuff out and saying, oh, this would this would be good on. Uh, I can't remember the names he says now. It's almost like a Mamba number five thing going on when he's yes. pulling things out, and then he does make a joke to at his partner's expense. So maybe, uh, maybe this would be maybe this would be good for. Uh, I can't remember the name, side, but he Lisa, says one of the names. Yeah, no, that's his miss. His partner's misses, but he says all these other names, and he says, "Oh, th- unless you think Lisa would like this," and he throws it at his partner. They all start laughing and joking. It's just locker room typical guy sort of stuff, I guess. Um, yeah. It's a. Uh, Again, because he's the new guy, um, very new, obviously, because Sam's now there. <laughs> but um, it's for them to sort of see his character, I guess, and just wind him up a little bit. Of course, because he's leaned into it and just gone with it, the likelihood is, yeah, they probably have a little bit of fun with him. But doing stuff in his locker probably won't happen again because he's just gone. Haha, yeah, very funny, lads. Oh, I could use this. I could use this. I could use this. Or maybe your wife would like to use it, <laughs> which could have been mm. taken the wrong way. But uh, again, it shows the character of um, his partner Skaggs as well, I think. Yeah, it's like an initiation, isn't it? And Skaggs even sort of pats him on the back and goes, you're right, partner. So straight away, it's gained his trust, I suppose. He's kind of integrated himself into the group, I guess. Uh, From this, we see Al arrive. Well, he arrived a few moments ago, apologies. But Al starts uh, talking to Sam about what's going on and so on. He makes a joke about it being April Fool's Day. And they say they're in, is it San Diego or San Francisco or wherever it is? Uh, San Diego. Right. And the date is obviously, as we said, April Fool's Day, 1969, in this particular location. And then we see if we see quite a dramatic change then to Al. His mood changes as he's looking at the hand link and he starts explaining to Sam that, you know, Sam is here to stop a woman making the mistake of a lifetime and explains that this particular lady in question has a husband who has been uh, gone for two years in Vietnam. Uh, he is MIA, hence the name of the episode. And she, uh, this weekend, meets somebody new. 
uh, or, or this weekend she's feeling particularly vulnerable because of situations we'll come to shortly, which yeah. then opens her up to, I suppose, the possibility of, of you know needing a shoulder to cry on. She meets somebody new, moves on with her life before the husband of this particular lady in question returns from Vietnam. He's not dead, as they get him declared to be a few years after this. But the lady has already moved on and so on. And Al describes this as the, the woman making the mistake of a lifetime. And that's apparently what Sam is here to change, Benny, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, obviously Al, uh, as we uh, he's gone through this himself, which we'll obviously get into in a little bit. He's, you know, he says, state this. Um, and again, it's a different demeanor from Al because we go from the typical Al making like, you know, comments in, haha, that's funny, you'd look good in that and stuff to, I mean, Al's always been somewhat serious in certain situations, but there's always that sort of, like, I don't know, there's always that like, I don't know what the best way to say it, so like a certain look on his face, twinkling his eye or something like this, but this yeah. is a very serious Al slash like Dean Stockwell nails it in this episode, to be fair, because it's, it's, it's not, he's not completely different, but it's a different side of Al, which we've only had at this point, probably grains of like of it. And whereas this one, we have it a lot of it in this one, basically, and obviously even mm. more so towards the end. So um, a different, uh, different demeanor from Al. And again, like I said, very serious. Um, Cause even Al, like, even when there's serious situations going on, we normally says something to say, even with the boat, with the sea bride, like, you know, oh, oh, grab, grab the umbrella. You grab this, grab that, and it's. I'm not saying he doesn't care, but it's just this. It, Al's face is just serious. I don't really know how any better way to describe it. So yeah, there's a complete change of mood and attitude, yes, isn't there? Yeah, that's, that's what it comes down to. There you go. There you go. Yeah. His, his body language, his face, his, his whole demeanor is just. It's almost like it's almost like he's read this on the hand link, and there's a switch that's been flicked in his head, and he's completely changed. And we'll come to the reasons why very, very soon. But, you know, it's obviously something that's very close to his own heart is what he's trying to explain to Sam as Sam's purpose for being there, isn't it? Yeah, but um, oh, we're not there yet, are we? So maybe I shouldn't say this, but like it's um, we get the the audience gets the reveal way before um, everybody else, if that makes sense. And I'm not talking like we don't get it half of the episode. We get it in the first what? 12 minutes, 15 minutes of this episode. Well, it's the next, it's the next scene, isn't it? It's yeah. basically the next scene. We get we the get... reveal of what's going on very quickly for us people watching. Um, and I'm not, dis- I, I think it's quite, I think it was good, but what would it have been like if we didn't know until the moment Sam looks at a photo? I'll leave it at that for now. Well, this is true. Yeah, this is true. Uh, and, and literally the, the next scene is, well, we're meeting the lady in question, aren't we? Uh, the lady's name is Beth, and she's struggling with changing a tire on her car. And a lot of the scenes that we see sort of take place in this episode going forward are around a, a bay, a marina, almost like a almost like a sort of posh dock area, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. I suppose there's a so lot of yeah. amateur sailors uh, in their yes. boats and you know stuff like that. So you know that's where they live. So that's what they do. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, the lady Beth in question is is that struggling with the the tire, getting quite emotional and upset and wound up because um, not just because of the tire situation. There's a lot more to it. When somebody comes over and offers to help, and it, it, the the line basically sort of goes, you know, surely you're not just crying over a, a tire. And she explains that there's a lot going on 
the tire is just the straw that broke the camel's back i suppose yeah yeah, yeah the final thing that yes you know, when you've had a bad day, one thing goes wrong, you're like, for God's sake. Then another thing goes wrong, you're like, for goodness sake. And then the third thing happens, you're like, oh, I've just, I'm have just i done with this day. So I think that was pretty much what was going on there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the guy, in the, uh, the, the individual in question who's offering his assistance, who his name is Dirk Simon, I believe, isn't it? That's his full name. I uh, yes yes he's a he's a lawyer by trade um by employment and his name is Dirk Simon he offers to you know he says I can't change everything but I could help with the final straw and change the tire potentially so that's where he goes with this Beth introduces herself then as uh, Beth Calavici so to a casual viewer who maybe have missed earlier episodes or have not watched everything, or, or even somebody with potentially not the strongest memory, may not twig on what's going on. However, we know that Calavici is Al's last name. Yeah. Um, so it becomes a little bit clearer then as to why Al is potentially quite emotional or a little bit more serious than previous leaps, I suppose, Benny. Yeah, yeah. Um and we even just get just so you just so you're uh, just so it's like a hundred percent sure. Um, she because there Dirk um, says um, you know it's a shame. Basically, he's hitting on her and says shame you're married. Basically, because um, she also says that my surname is. A, he said oh she says Calavici because oh you're Italian. She goes no my husband is, and it's just because I mean it, I'm not obviously we do hear about Al's family and stuff kind of briefly, but just in case you again for the casual viewer I guess. We know we that our as because as we do this show, we know Al's got a sister or had a sister. So, but just for the casual view, like I said, very well put by the way, is that by saying no, it's my husband. Just so, so if you've never seen a Quantum Leap episode before, mm. you'd be like, oh, and then. But I don't, th- I don't know whether Al's surname is mentioned. But again, so you might have had to seen another episode to know his surname's Calavici. Um, so I'm not sure really, but yeah. Just to nail it home for the for the for the fans and for people who watch it consistently, yeah. Oh, and it's my husband. Just so, just in case you were like, is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> it's his wife. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the the name uh, Al's surname was mentioned in the previous episode, wasn't it? Was it the very beginning of season two? I think. No, no, no. I just meant I just meant in this um in this episode. I don't know whether we get oh, Al's okay. surname. Um, I don't remember. You know, hearing like Sam saying it or whatever. So again, if you're if somebody who's if this was your first episode for some strange reason, you might not twig until the the picture reveal. So mm. yeah, which uh, again I think is a bigger reveal than um, obviously yeah. As the audience, we know. Oh my god, that's Al's wife. Um, but like I do feel like maybe it would have been a little bit better. Maybe in the last fifteen minutes we. Or when Sam sees the picture is what I'm getting at. So I know I'm skipping ahead here, but I just feel like it could have it could have gone. I think it's perfect the way it is, to be honest. But it could have gone a different way with it in in terms of revealing that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the I suppose the trust and the benefit that Sam has already gained with Skags comes into play quite early here because he's convinced his partner. Uh, I'm I'm assuming under you know under the premise of information he has gathered from Al off screen so conversations that were not witnessed to as a viewer yeah. he is convinced his partner to drive to the to the bay 
and he says there's going to be a lady there changing a tire and a guy is going to try and help her and we have to stop this and her name is Beth and so on and Skaggs thinks it's an April Fool's joke but he's going along with it because it's his new partner and so on and they arrive and this is what is happening uh, Sam and Skaggs pull up as Dirk is uh, trying to assist Beth with the tire they jump out the car and Sam goes over and just takes over changing the tire. No explanation. You know, I mean, he's a police officer. Yeah. He can flash the badge. He can go over and have a conversation. What? But he literally just goes over and starts changing the tire. Now, don't get me wrong. It it, <laughs> it, 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 it achieves what he wants to do, I suppose, in that moment. But that's, a, that's weird behavior, isn't it? Let's be honest. He just walks and goes, I got this. Yeah. Be, he could have said I'm, I'm the AA or something. I don't know. They don't have that over there, I would assume. But <laughs> 69. But um, I don't know. Yeah, it's a very weird. I, and also, I know we don't see it, but what a conversation that would have been between Skaggs and himself to try and convince you to go and stop a woman from meeting, well, to change a tire. And when you're mm. two cops and you should be, you know, following up on, I don't know, cases or whatever. So, I, yeah, I, probably a good job we didn't see that because I don't know how you did, how you would. Even explain that, and it's the whole premise as well of how do you know that's happening? Exactly, because, yeah. Because he's effectively when he would have had this conversation, we're talking a, a short period ago. Because Al has had the conversation saying he that they they meet today, and then very quickly Sam is arriving at the the area and the location where this happens. So Sam would have had to return to Skags, had that conversation, and then they head off. So he is talking about something that in theory when that conversation is taking place hasn't happened yet because they are going to arrive when it is happening so he's almost predicting the future to his partner in a way it's a bit weird isn't it you can see why skaggs thinks it's an april fool yeah well it's probably a good job it was april 1st then because otherwise if it was april 2nd or even before he'd be like what are you on about mate no we got to go and do whatever we got to do whether that's freaking a day off or bloody <laughs> yeah Karen with some cases I don't really understand but again we didn't see it so that might be why we didn't see it because how do we convince this copper who is um, I'm not going to say the veteran or anything like that but somebody who is the higher rank than this new detective that's come on how did you even have that conversation <laughs> yeah well, and Skaggs as well they say don't they his arrest record is the most successful in the area so he's very much he's very highly respected and in his department by his peers and with that comes a certain level of authority i suppose yeah i would i would assume so yeah um so he seems well liked obviously so but yeah i I know we've kind of tangent off a little bit kind of but i just don't know how that conversation would have (laughs) gone not dialogue heavy like it was with c bride basically (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um as we said, Sam and Skaggs arrive. Uh, Sam jumps in and starts changing the tire. And Skaggs kind of, again, steps in and helps his new partner out by taking the lawyer, taking Dirk to one side yeah, and saying, can I just see your identification and so on? This enables Sam to have a conversation with Beth and actually mentions her by name. So this throws Beth a little bit. She's like, well, how do you know my name? How did you know I was going to be here? What's going on? And all this sort of stuff. And she, Sam points out that Beth, I love this as well. Sam points out that Beth has a little bit of dirt or grease on her nose from where she's been trying to change the tire. And whilst he's doing this, he's still wearing smudges of blue eyeshadow across his face from the makeup from earlier in the episode. Yeah, which I, that as well. I was like, he's got freaking eyeshadow on his, uh, so as he's looking at her, well, his right eye, 
I was. Yes. I wonder if he bruised himself. No, it must. It must be the makeup. So he exactly. It's never, it's never touched upon. It's never said. It's never. No attention's brought to it. I hope it was done intentionally as a bit of a you know sort of maybe insider joke or a joke for people who just noticed it like you and I because I thought that was quite funny, but it was never pointed out, was it? No, and I will say I don't think I ever noticed it before until today. So okay, um, I, I I thought oh is it makeup or is it a bruise maybe from when he dove into the I uh, saw so, but yeah it makes more sense that it's the makeup to be honest with you so mm-hmm. yes indeed uh, <laughs> this half dragged cop. <laughs> desperately for some strange reason and he's saying you've got something on your nose and yet he's wearing makeup you're like what the hell's going on I know it's, you know, each to their own but what's going on here <laughs> yes exactly exactly um, both police officers both partners are kind of playing uh, unintentionally playing Dirk and Beth off against each other I suppose they both say that they are there to talk with the other so Skaggs is saying that uh, Beth is a person of interest, and um, the to 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 Dirk and Sam is explaining that they want to speak with Dirk uh, instead. So their stories don't quite match up. They're sort of thinking on the fly, I guess. This yeah. then leads to when Dirk is eventually allowed to leave, and he goes to drive off. He stops, and again, being a lawyer, he hands Beth his card and says, "If you know when, if you need any help with any of this, you know, I'm a lawyer. Get get in touch." You so Beth, Beth then twigs, hang on, you told him that you're investigating me? This is not what you told me earlier kind of thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, again, very well improvised by uh, by Skaggs, really. Um, well, and Sam, to be fair, because he even, he even avoids the question at one point. And he's like, how do you know my name? He's like, and then the music on the radio is uh, through the grapevine. And he just starts yes. singing that randomly. It's like, do you bump? I'm thinking, have you actually got a concussion? Because he's acting very weird. He doesn't know how to like get out of this. So he's like, eh, I'll just divert it by singing the song randomly for a half a second. So yeah, it seemed to work anyway. Um, when uh, Skaggs approaches Beth though and says, "This is an April Fool's joke, right?" and she just starts crying at him, it was just like, "Okay, this is you got like, time to go." <laughs> it was a. Uh, she's like, you know, she's already having a bad day as it is with a tire and all the stuff going on in her life, and now she's having a cop pull her over or well not pull her over sorry wanting to change a tire and then skag saying this is an april fool's joke she's just like is this a, I, I don't I, the cry is more like is this a joke to you and she doesn't know whether to laugh or cry i think in that moment because the cry is mm-hmm. a bit if you know i don't know if you picked up on it but it's a bit more um i don't know i don't know whether hysterical is the right word but it just seemed a bit more like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, well, you would be puzzled, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, exactly. From everyone involved, really, because even Skaggs is there going, even Skaggs says to to, to Dirk, he's, he's a, hang on, are you, are you a lawyer? And he's like, yes. And he's like, so how did my partner know that this was, and he knows that her name is Beth, and it, everyone is a little bit confused, I think. Yeah, even Sam, I think, even, <laughs> to be honest, yes. everybody involved, I think you're right. Um but yeah, the, the, it did make me laugh when Sam started singing to avoid the question. It's like, how do you know my name? And it was, oh, I heard it in the grapevine, which is ironic considering how did you know my name? I heard it through the grapevine. He just started singing that. I don't know. It was all, it's a very surreal scene, to be honest, by the end of it. Yeah, that's it. It's, um, 
I mean, also the music in this episode as well. Uh, we get, you know, different versions from different streaming services that alter music as a copyright and certain restrictions and, and, and so on. But, I mean, I, I watched on the DVD today, Benny. I'm not sure what you watched on, but it sounds like you had the same music as I, if you're talking about th- that track being played. Uh, I watched some, it on, um, on uh, Now TV. I am... Okay. So I read, I've read online. I think, because I, I didn't watch it on the DVD, I don't know. I can't remember. It's been so long since I've watched the actual... Um, DVDs, but it does say online that they the DVD replaces the song Georgia. Yet in the version I watched on Sci-Fi, did have that song at the end. Right. I don't know whether your version had that at the end. Out of curiosity. Yes, it did. Yes, I mean that's what I was going to okay. say. The music throughout this episode. I mean, obviously, it. The music has to be, I suppose, time sensitive, doesn't it? It's a time travel program. So, and we've had a few sort of uh, occasions in the previous episodes where things go a touch wrong with certain songs like that they were on one episode we watched they were playing music on the radio that hadn't come out yet in that particular year and and all that sort of stuff but in for the rough era i mean we're talking 69 so we've got you know that whole flower power the 60s i mean hendrix is big and yeah uh, all this sort of vibe. I mean, the Beatles are already very much established and have been for several years and the stones are flying and it's a fantastic, you've got the Vietnam war as well, which is obviously a, 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 sorry, I put my teeth in (laughs) and a horrific moment in, in history, especially for the Americans and so on. Yeah. But it inspired anti-war songs and and artists to perform certain tracks and albums and, and, and write in a certain way. So set in April of 69, we have got some fantastic music throughout this episode, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, even if uh, there's a few, um, in it, I think there was one, uh, I think it's somebody, Someday We'll Be Together, is her playing on Beth Stereo. Uh, the episode obviously takes place in April 1969, um, but the song wasn't actually released until October that year. Oh. Um, come on, you, you know, I know it's, it te- you know, these things don't bother me as much, I suppose, really. But you know, it's um, it's but the bothers me. It really gets on my nerves. It does it, yeah. I, yeah. The song, <laughs> yeah, you know. But in theory, yes, the song shouldn't have been playing on the radio or on, on the record. Sorry. Um, also, the uh, the Dodge Aspen, which is um, which you see outside the San Diego Police Department. It's only oh, there. Sorry, it's a Dodge Aspen. It's a song. Uh, a car. Sorry, um, a song. A do- it's a car parked outside the police station. Um, and you only see it briefly, but apparently it wasn't. Produ- it was only produced from '76 to the 1980s. So in '69, it wouldn't have been around, obviously. Um, and the last one I found out um, because I didn't know much about them, to be honest. This one actually did intrigue me a little bit. Was the um, the MIA bracelets that mm-hmm. Beth wears? Um, so again, April 1st, 1969. Um, they weren't didn't actually start producing them until November 11th, 1970, apparently. So, oh. again, little things, you know, uh, you know, like when it, I don't know, maybe I think it maybe it does bother me. Maybe I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, never, I, I didn't places. know any of that. I didn't know. Any, and normally I do. Uh, I look into things and so on. And you, you end up having to, certain websites give you this information and, and, and all this sort of stuff. I've not looked at anything for this week's episode. So I've been incredibly unprofessional. So from my standpoint, watching, not knowing those facts and not knowing that these things are slightly off timeline wise, didn't bother me in the slightest. Yeah. Now I know that's pissed me off. All ah, right. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> a lot of the music. So I heard it through the grapevine was actually obviously Marvin Gaye. It was 1968. So that's allowed. 
Uh, and again, that that song been has been covered and re-released in the sixties. There was, I think, there was like five different versions in the sixties alone, wasn't there? Was it Gladys Knight and the Pips did a version? No idea without looking into it, mate. You ask more your. Uh, <laughs> more okay. Your thing. Um, there was one. Where is it? I can't find it. No, oh no, I think that was it. To be fair, in terms of the music, yeah, they pushed a little bit. Like so, like I said, the uh, someday we'll be together was nineteen sixty nine as well. Again, one of the songs was was released that year, but it wasn't till October, and this is set in April. So they were fairly, um, they, yeah. There's a few goose, but generally, I think they've they've kept it as much, as best they can um, within that time frame. I guess obviously a song. Maybe she got an early access. Maybe she's maybe she uh, listened to. Maybe she was like a. I don't know if somebody listened to songs before they came out type thing. Mm. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe the artist was giving around records to try and boost up um, <laughs> the sales. Interest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> People do it nowadays, so why not? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah, again, though, the music on this episode, it, it is wonderful. It is a fantastic time. Uh, Dirk has... Sorry, go on. sorry, the only thing that bothers me about the music is when you do see the DVD versions and they cheap out on certain songs and it's just like... And it's not just Quantum Leap that does this. There's plenty of TV shows that, you know, if you remember like certain scenes, you're very fond of it. And it, that song was like just summed it up perfectly. And then you buy the film or you buy the TV series. Sorry, it's probably a better way of saying because films don't so much. But um, when you buy the TV series, it hasn't got the same music. It mm. does take take away from it. And it also bugs me. This is why I buy TV shows on DVD back in the day when they cut stuff. And it's just like, and like sometimes they try and do it really cleverly. And you don't notice because you've seen the original on DVD, you do notice. But sometimes it's so fucking lazy um, that it's so obvious that they've just cut something and it pisses me off. At least do do better at cutting it together. If you know, I've, I'll give you an example very quickly. I'm, I know I'm moaning about it. I, maybe these things do bother me. So, like I said, uh, <laughs> it. Um, an episode of Frasier, they're doing something because they can't say a particular word or whatever, or I think it's a swear word. And obviously, Frasier's shown in the morning. Fair enough, I get that. But they they have one character stood next to each other. They have two characters next to each other. Sorry, they cut it so much that the characters now now no longer by this character and it's stood the other side of the room, and it's cut so bad that you go, "What have I just?" You just feel like you've just missed something. Yeah, it bugs me. That does. Yeah, bug. I get you. I watched an episode of uh, Cold Case. It's all on um, Prime Video, I think it is. One of these streaming services my wife has. And I've been going back and checking out certain episodes randomly. And one of them obviously had a song that they couldn't use anymore. Yeah. But rather than strip that one particular song, I'm assuming just for uh, money, financial reasons, but to make yeah, it more costly, yeah. they've stripped the whole music track from the episode. Um. So there's no background music or anything, which doesn't bother me. That's fine. But when the show begins and ends and you're getting the intro and the credits going up at the end, there's no music there either. It's just silence. So they've obviously stripped the whole music track. They didn't even bother to try and replace audio. it with, didn't even bother try and replace it with like something else. Then they just yes. left it like, that's, that's fucking lazy. I'm sorry. That, <laughs> that is fucking lazy. It is. No. Yes, okay, I get, I get, you know, because you've got the whole bloody, you know, royalties and everything when it comes to music and stuff. I get that. But at least put something in. I know we, we moan about it on the WWE Network about songs being replaced because we can't use Rolling because of, but then so they put over Taker's actual WWE made theme that, that was written in-house. Yes, it's annoying, but at least you don't leave it fucking blank. What the fuck is no. that? 
That's right. That's I think right. I mentioned that cold case, by the way. I actually watched the very first episode the other day. Oh, okay. What did you think? Give it, to give it a go. Not too bad. Not too bad. I, yeah, I'm not right. past judgment yet because I've only watched one. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's a bit up and down to be honest. You got to stick with it, but it is it is pretty decent. Anyway, different show. <laughs> yeah, different show. Different show. Let's get on. <laughs> uh, Sam has effectively at this point then uh, foiled that original meetup. I guess they've met Beth and Dirk. They've met, but Sam yeah. has kind of, I suppose, like a big time traveling cock block. He just dumps himself in the way, takes over changing the tire, and Derek <laughs> has to skulk away in his car. Now, we then, the Trump, next time... Oh, sorry. sorry, that made me... <laughs> <laughs> we then see uh, Sam. The next time we see Sam, he is undercover again, dressed as... Uh, well, it, it's, it's, it's a group of hippies, basically. And, uh, you know, doing what they do, dancing, having fun, and so on. And we find out that Skaggs and Jake, as as Sam, are undercover in this scenario because they're trying to bust the drug dealer. And whilst this is going on, Sam is sat there asking to the sky, why am I still here? At which point Al arrives looking, uh, looking well, he's quite agitated. He looks a bit scruffy. Yeah. His clothes aren't as straight laced and pristine as, as before. It looks like he hasn't shaven, uh, shaved, sorry, and, and so on. He's a, bit of a, he's a bit of a state. He's very agitated. And he says that, because it hasn't worked. You, you know, Beth still gets with this Dirk character. You've not stopped it, even though you've stopped that initial meeting. And this is where we get the explanation of Beth working in a medical center, a hospital, and a young Marine passed away who she had hopes would survive having the the injuries from the war and so on. And this weekend, effectively in Al's mind, is crunch time for Beth because her husband, who we now know is Al, has been missing for two years. She's sort of toughed it out for a while, but then this particular young Marine who she thought was going to pull through has ended up dying anyway. She's very vulnerable. It's a bad time. She needs a shoulder to cry on. Dirk keeps popping up throughout her her weekend in various places and basically al tells sam you need to hang around for the whole weekend get through this weekend probably going to be okay it's kind of how he explains it isn't it yeah he's very like he's almost like angry with sam as well which we we've heard uh, sorry al be like like, come on, you need to do this, you need to do this. But this is like, mm. you failed. It's almost, he doesn't say that, but he's almost very much, you have failed, you haven't done your job. And it's like very much like you said. And do you know what? I didn't even pick up on the fact that he was a bit disheveled in his clothing and stuff. So I didn't pick up on that at all. I just thought, oh, that okay. he, he looked tired. I'll give you that. I was like, he looked like he almost hadn't slept and stuff. But I didn't really pick up on the clothing thing, to be honest. I'm, I think I'm immune to Calavici's clothes, to be honest, because I've watched it, you know, before. <laughs> You know, we don't even question that he in previous episodes he's got a glowing badge on and stuff like that, and some of the glasses he wears and the gold jackets and you know, so you, you've almost become immune to it by that point. So, but you're right though, he is again acting differently, and by the looks of it, not sleeping very much because he looks like he's obsessing over this. Mm. Yeah, I think the not sleeping thing. I think you're absolutely spot on the money with that's really accurate. Uh, the next, I suppose, the next thing we see is a a baby in a bar quite quite a dingy horrible down and dirty bar 
and the the two scumbags from earlier on in the episode are there with this baby and then a young mexican lady comes in as well who is the mother of this this said baby and she has been out to buy guns it seems and she's handing guns to these scumbags they're talking about what was the name of the detective who shot me the one says yeah and the other says he begins with s and they don't get it right obviously the guy's name is skags they think his name is scabs and and so on and we kind of learn that there's something else going on here we don't quite know what yet because normally we rely on al to fill in the blanks for us as viewers but we don't quite know what is going on as yet but it's heavily hinted at these scumbags are going to be tracking skags down and and trying to kill him now i this is where the episode kind of wobbles a touch for me and it's not a big deal it's it's necessary to have this uh, sort of background storyline running parallel with why Sam thinks he is here at this point in time. It's very important, of course. But I think the acting of these two guys who are the kind of scummy uh, drug dealer types with the guns lets these certain moments down a bit. I don't think they're as strong performance-wise as the lady who plays Beth or as Dean Stockwell, who is fantastic in this episode. And secondly, they've shot at a policeman. Not just one. They've they've opened fire on numerous policemen. Yeah. And the, the Mexican lady, when she comes in, has a go at them because they're trying to give the baby tequila. And says, it, 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 my first thought was, how are they not in prison? Because yeah, they, they shot, yeah, they shot at policemen. She then turns around and says, I wish I hadn't paid your bail now. Which then explains away why they're not in prison in theory because she has bailed them out however where has she got that level of money and uh, again i'm maybe not looking too much into it but just from a sense of realism that would cost if the if bail was available at all that would be a very very high sum because they, they've opened fire on police officers I would say they're going to have to pay it a minute. I don't, I don't know that the system and I, you know, but let's say, you know, on average, you're probably thinking, let's just throw a number out there, maybe like 10 grand each to get them both out. Maybe more to be honest. Let's face it. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I wouldn't know exactly. That's just a, I mean, it's probably not. So like you said, where did you get the money from? And I don't know whether you picked up on this. I I agree with you, by the way. Um, The one, especially, I just feel like it's like, it's just jammed in there, isn't it? Because we need that because obviously, at this point, we do know that Sam believes he's there to stop Beth from marrying this guy. And, you know, with now starting to think, well, obviously, it must be something to do with these guys want revenge on this copper that the one got, because only one of them got shot, obviously. So the one's more the ringleader. His stupid, goofy, like, laugh of like, haha, we're going to kill him type thing. Moving, sh- I don't know, it was just, yeah. But then, I, I, to be honest, mate, I, I know people that look kind of a bit of douches like that and have laughed like that in my past. So, mm. you know, this... Um, Maybe it's real, I don't know. But I think you're right in terms of the... Even like um, Dirk, you know, Dirk, Simon, he's he's acting it. He's really good. His mother... Um, I think everybody else in this episode, even the random cops we have come in are pretty, you know, they're pretty... They're all all right in terms they're of... They're believable, aren't they? They're believable. That's the best way of saying it. Um, but these two are a bit like... I don't know whether... Maybe, they, maybe we're not supposed to like them, which obviously we don't. But maybe that's why we're getting that feeling off them. I don't know. But I, I, think, I think you're right, though, to be honest. And also, I wanted to ask you whether you thought, because notice the woman went to buy guns, but she's left her baby with these two morons. Now, did she leave her baby 
Or were they like, no, we'll look after the baby. You go, as in like threatening, or you go get the guns. So she's obviously not in that situation because she wants to be. But I'm just wondering how much level of threat there was there for her to be even paying their bloody bail as well. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I got more of the impression that like she was an accomplice as opposed to held against her will, maybe. That's, oh, okay. the, that's the impression I got. Um, I could be wrong. I mean, either way, it's a shitty scenario, isn't it? It's it a is, crappy yeah. little dingy bar. Guys you know, buying guns and shooting at police officers and this young lass and her baby. It's it's not a good look, is it? Uh, no. But like I said, I took it more as um, maybe the baby was being, oh, we'll look after the baby. Go get our guns. Mm, that, so they, they're the type of they, they they look like those type at least the one um yes he's called tequila ironically in the in the thing the other one's called boner boner's the one that's a bit more like <laughs> and tequila's the weird <laughs> one who's a bit like just like I, he's on something definitely and just if you don't do what he says he, he flips his fuse within seconds you know mm. and he, he was a moaning sod as well when he got shot in the first bit he barely got a graze he's like i'm bleeding i should be seen first i have rights and i love the fact the cop went you the only right you have is to shut up or whatever it is yes. <laughs> right remain silent or whatever it was uh, i was like yeah you freaking tell him yeah exactly exactly ah uh, there we go and, and when we leave this scene we see beth at the at the bay in her naval officer's getup and she is just looking out across the water and this is where she starts talking to an older lady who we find out very quickly is dirk's mother and she's inviting her to dinner with her and her son she notices the the missing in action bracelet and so on as well um so again another another sort of point in time where their paths just happen to cross a coincidence may be but it's happening a few times at this stage so that's something we're going to come back to beth does say no to this however because she sees sam arrive at the bay with some flowers which are calla lilies which are apparently her favorite she tries to deny this but eventually gives in and says they are her favorite sam says it's by way of apology to her uh, obviously al has at this stage tipped sam off about certain things that beth likes mexican food uh, calla lilies are her favorite flower and, and all this sort of stuff and al's motivation he says is to remind beth of her husband during this particular weekend when she needs a shoulder to cry on i guess is the motivation there isn't it yeah and from sam sam's point of view as well this is not unusual because he's used to getting information from Al to do things, try this, try that. They like this, they do. So from Sam's point of view at the moment, this is, I'm not going to say every, like a normal leap because no such thing as a normal leap is there, but it's business as usual for Sam as far as he's concerned right now. Yeah. So, um, he doesn't really suspect anything uh, at all at this point, does he? Mm. Although he yes. has, does, oh, I, or am I wrong? Maybe he did say at one point, this doesn't feel right at some point, but I'm, I may be confusing of when he said that. Well, he's asking, why am I still here? Yeah. A few times, isn't he? And he, he does kind of say to Al uh, at once. Uh, well, after this, I guess he does mention to Al, look, it does seem like there's a lot of coincidences with regards to Beth and Dirk bumping into yeah. each other. Are we sure we are supposed to stop this happening? Cause it kind of looks like it's meant to happen. Yeah, he says like he he points up and says he may want this to happen, and then this is the first time we really get the op- polar opposite, the yin and the yang type thing of Al talking about essentially the devil pointing down and says he wants to ruin best. So they're playing because they don't know the, the the whole point of the quantum leap. If you don't know by now, is obviously leaping around. He jumped in the accelerator um, prematurely to prove his theory, 
but they can't control where Sam goes. They're, they're trying to get him home, but they can't get him back. And whoever's or whatever is leaping him, they refer to as he or God, or they do mention, and this is the first time I think that they really mention there could be a force for the negative as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, foreshadowing. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Uh, there's another moment as well. I mean, we're coming to it shortly, but Sam and Beth go for a drink at this stage and we get Otis Redding, Dock of the Bay, playing in the little bar they go to. What a banger of a tune that is. This, that's some fantastic music right there. Uh, Sam explains effectively that the whole thing yesterday with the tire was him trying to pick Beth up, but then he saw her wedding ring and her MIA bracelet and felt guilty. Um, he takes Beth home. Al is already in the house, though, kind of loitering around like some kind of creepy holographic weirdo. And when Sam arrives, they sort of exchange glances and Al's kind of, you know, Al Al looks a bit sheepish about being caught in the house before Sam has arrived. And Sam, again, this is when he's wondering if this is right. Is this the right thing? Are we doing the right thing here? Are you sure you've got the facts correct? And Al is incredibly animated when he's there saying, this is, this is what the situation is. Beth talks of the young Marine who died and obviously it's got to her. She gets very emotional. So this kind of adds weight to Al's theory that he's, well, not theory. It's kind of, it's kind of fibs, I suppose, for want of a better phrase. It kind of backs up what he's trying to tell Sam, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah. I mean, just before that, I believe we have Al kind of walking around, looking at his old place, essentially. Um, and then, like you said, that that's that that look between Al and Sam, like you said, Al looks like oh, I don't know whether angry still, upset. Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, at this point, he, he we haven't seen him anywhere near Beth, considering this is his love of his life and everything. But it makes sense when we go a bit further. But for him to sort of like, and even Sam kind of pulls a face like. He left because normally Al hangs around trying to tell, feed Sam information, you know, say this, say that. Oh, that whole when when they mention somebody, oh, yeah, Roger said, oh, that Roger's her husband. Do you, do you know what I mean? He's always feeding there well, to be helping him, but yeah, he just kind of disappears. And an extension like, of that, yeah. sorry, an extension of that would be why is he there? Yeah, if, I mean, Sa- so if, if Al arrives, if Al, because obviously Al's you know, in, in his own time doing his own work and research and getting information and so on. And then he steps into the imaging chamber and he arrives where Sam is to, to guide him, as, as you've just explained, Benny. So when Sam walks in and he sees Al there, Al could have passed it off quite easily as being, oh yeah, I'm here to observe, which is my role. Yeah. I'm, here to, I'm here to give information or whatever. But he straight away zaps himself away using the hand link. So it does, yeah. straight away you're thinking, why is he there then? Yeah, it's a whole you know, it's he's acting very suspiciously at this point, isn't he? Yeah, and um, I think Sam, because again, I know he gets Swiss cheese and stuff between leaps and doesn't remember everything, which he does refer to about you know not remembering Al being an MIA and stuff. But um, so he doesn't remember here Beth. I would assume Al would have mentioned Beth before they you know because they were best mates while they were working on this project before Sam left. So, but. Yeah, it's, it's, he could have easily gone, oh, I'm just here to, oh, I need to tell you this. He could have made any bullshit up he wanted, but yet he just left. Mm. 
and it was very much like what the f- i mean obviously but again sleep deprived he's not thinking straight we see he's very agitated and animated and so on can't we so yeah, 100%, yeah. Uh, with this then, uh, Al, is, Al has departed. And uh, we we get a scene then of Skaggs taking um, a message from somebody, a girl, uh, asking for Detective Scabs and saying that he ha- she has information for him, which is hugely important to certain criminal activity and is trying to arrange to meet Scabs to or Skaggs as his real name is to give him this information now we now know looking at what we've seen in the last last set of of, of you know conversations and actions in the bar that this is a setup Benny don't we yeah um they want to well they're gonna lure this cop there I don't know what pretense they just said she's been calling um I can't remember if they say that she's got information or whatever it is um but yeah, it's just yeah, so much. But uh, it's basically revenge, isn't it, for being shot yes. like a raise. This guy's walking around hours later, so it's not like he's like crippled or anything like that. This is just a guy that wants to shoot a cop, basically, because he was obviously being, he was. Ro- I think they were robbing that place site at the beginning, to be fair, or right. Maybe a deal was going down and stuff they should okay. be dealing in, maybe. But um, for somebody who has a graze, he holds a grudge, doesn't he? <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, when Sam is is getting himself ready, I'm assuming to go off with Skaggs. He does say he's supposed to be going to a stakeout. So I'm not sure if it's this, exactly the same case they're discussing. But Al arrives and tells Sam that Beth is with Dirk right now. Al has to go. Sorry, Sam has to go. Yeah. And again, he, he's so agitated and animated and crazy and acting all, all, all off the wall and so on. Sam tries to argue with him, but Al's having none of it. He's saying, you must go now and reiterates about the, the husband and what he went through. And he doesn't want our Beth's husband to experience the same thing. And at this point, I'm looking at Sam and I'm thinking, come on, mate, you must be able to figure this out by now. But he's not twigging yet, is he? I think he knows something's wrong. Mm. The look they share, what we spoke about a minute ago when Al was loitering in the house. Um, and Al keeps pushing it and he's, he is starting to sort of go, this doesn't, he's done, you know, he, he may not necessarily remember everything, but he definitely has a gut feeling that this doesn't feel right. You know, this woman met this bloke, then randomly met his mother. And yet they come to the conclusion that, oh yeah, I know your son. It's, it's a, from Sam's point of view, it's very much like, well, it seems like they, they they are meant to be. And obviously Al plays the whole devil card and he wants her to ruin her life and all this kind of stuff. So, um, But we don't really get any feedback from Al in terms of um, whether Beth, you know, she says, he's basically saying to Sam that this person is um, bad for her, but doesn't like normally we get like a lot more detail of what happens. Yes. Obviously he's not necessarily bad for her. It's just not with Al. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you mentioned there as well about the, the coincidences and so on. We, we've skipped a little bit where Beth sits down for lunch on her own and across the way on another table on his lonesome is Dirk as well. So they've ended up having lunch together and it just seems like they, their paths keep crossing. So that's another example of that. Uh, Sam basically crashes <laughs> down to Beth's house where Dirk is. And he said he was supposed to be going out for a, 
uh, to watch a movie with Beth that evening. He's arrived early and uses the Mexican food uh, preference that Al mentioned earlier on and says that he, he let's forget the movie. I thought I'd arrive early and we could take you for the side of the border to have some proper Mexican food and, and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, Dirk leaves feeling a bit sheepish because Sam is there and it comes across, I suppose, well, to me anyway, that Beth was quite happy to see Sam or Jake at least. Yeah. She then goes to get changed. And whilst she is off uh, freshening up and getting getting her dress for going out that, with, with Sam for the Mexican food, Sam is walking around and plays a record and is talking over her husband to Beth. And there he sees the picture. And it's a picture of a younger Al. Obviously younger, it's 1969. But he sees a picture of a young Al on the mantelpiece as Beth is talking over her husband. And this I find quite emotional because Sam gets quite teary-eyed and emotional himself, doesn't he? With the, with the line of, oh, Al, like just sort of, yeah. It's also he's now twigged. He has now realised what's going on, but he's not angry. He feels sorrow for his friend, I suppose. Yeah, hundred percent. He um, again, Scott Bakula. I know we, you know, he has his good moments and bad. I don't, you know, he has more good than bad, obviously. But in this moment, the the emotional change on his face, the slight welling up in his eyes as well of tears as well is perfect and i tell you what watching this for the first time in a long time to be fair um it uh you know you can feel it in the pit of your stomach you like you you know there's probably been moments when all of our lives where we'd wish we had done something different or we could have done this or could have done that or save this you know so we've all we all know that feeling of wanting to change something and in that moment the scott bacula's face is absolutely uh, the way he acts his whole scene and stuff, even to the bit when he goes outside without, which we'll get to, is is probably one of the best scenes in the entire episode for me. Mm. Yeah, and it, it's a funny one as well because it's the first real, I think, mean, disagreement or argument, maybe maybe not quite accurate, but it's the first bit of friction I think we've seen between the two, as in like real friction, real dis, real, you yeah. know, coming from two different standpoints. Sam basically explains to Beth, I don't think I should be here. To which she then thinks it's, you know, he shouldn't be with Beth at that moment in time. Sam is obviously referring to his, his, I suppose, mission on this leap. He's, he shouldn't be there doing what he's doing. He leaves. He sees Al outside. Al goes to leave. Sam yells, if you shut that door, referencing the imaging chamber, if you shut that door, don't bother opening it again. Al then tries to play it out. And I quite, I find this, even though it's a really emotional moment, this was quite funny. I was just kind of looking at the handling, like, don't know what you're on about, mate. <laughs> you see, though, just before, I know it, it, I know what you mean, but just because if you have, if you close the door, don't open it again. Al's finger is poised to hit that button on Ziggy to close that imaging door. And he's got like, he's gritting his teeth and like the restraint, I think, in that moment for Al. Mm. It, you can see it. Um, I don't know whether you picked up on that. Uh, whether you watch it back or whatever, but like when he's about, you can see him about to hit that. I'm assuming the last because he has to hit a couple of buttons to open the door, and I assume a couple of buttons to close the door. And he's about to hit that last one, and you can see him sort. But then, like you said, he then plays it off like what? Huh? No. Oh, yeah. What are you talking about? Like he's like trying <laughs> to do anything to. He's trying to not acknowledge any of this um, because of the hurt. I would assume he's trying to, as much as he's desperately tried to fix it over the last few days. And like you said, you can see he's still in the same clothes. He's looks like he's barely slept. You picked up and run that really well. Um, so 
for, but he's still in denial, I think, in that moment as well. But it is quite funny. I, I understand what you mean. There's there's the back and forth then between Sam and Al, and and Sam basically says that I I know the game's up basically I know what the crack is I know what's going on, and says that we're not allowed to change our own lives you know the rules, and this is where we get the the throwback I suppose to the episode Sea Bride which you and I looked at last week for the show Benny, and Al almost reiterates the dialogue from Sea Bride when he says. Life will give you one shot at true love if you're lucky. And Beth was his and, and so on and so forth. But it's it's we we looked at it as foreshadowing in the last episode. Here we get the harking back to that. And yeah. it's I think it's so well done with regards to the the dialogue, the writing and so on. I mean, the, the previous episode we said was written by Deborah Pratt. Uh, Donald Belisario himself wrote this episode here. So there's obviously interactions between the two as they're coming up with these stories and so on. The, the the little lines of dialogue that apply to that well they can apply to that story alone or when you look at the bigger picture can oh apply God. to numerous other things yeah and work I, on both work on they work on both levels yeah it's so clever isn't it yeah i mean like i said last week mate the, uh, and I, I i don't want to wish our time away but i can't wait to get to where we need to get to but this is such a core moment in the friendship of Al and Sam, um, which um, gets kind of referred to a little bit before we get to where we need to get to. But this, put it this way, in a, probably a year or two time or however long this takes for us to get to the where we need to get to, we, we'll be talking about this again, MIA 100%, because of yes. where it leads to. Um, the, the, the dialogue that Al, uh, Dean Stockwell, delivers here is... I mean, I can't do it justice by any stretch, but uh, God, I love her. Beth is the only woman I ever really loved. She's the only one I ever wanted to grow old with. That's why all my marriages never worked after that. Sam, if you're lucky, life, like you've already said, you know, life will give you one true love. Beth was mine. I lost her, but you could get her back for me. The, oh my God, that breaks me even just saying it myself. I can feel yeah. it in my chest. Like, um, And Sam, almost, he's not crying, but he's battling off. I think he's definitely battling off tears. Um, God, I wish I could, but you know, but I can't, and no one knows that better than you. So, um, you know, again, like I said, this is a very core cool moment in their relationship, which I think in the next, obviously, the, well, we're not there yet, but they do. Meant, there's a little comment made, I believe, if I remember, it might be even later in season three. I don't know, so I, but there's a comment made very in just in passing, referring to this moment again, and Sam kind of goes. Beth, like he doesn't remember because again when he leaps his brain is <laughs> mixed up again yeah yeah yes indeed um i suppose this may be quite difficult to to answer i guess benny but i'm gonna ask anyway this as two people who've watched the show love the show ever since we were kids and so on we know where this is heading and the the implications for later in the story without that just just on its own is it as emotional it's still emotional definitely 100 percent with what i'll because again the way dean Sokol played it was <laughs> i can't really i can't do it justice i read some of the dialogue there but i can't do it justice you need to see it ladies and gents but obviously the main drive of the show i think initially 
is will Sam get home? Because he's you know he's done he, at this point he's done he's done very he's done you know what where are we twenty two episodes in this one nine in the last he's done so many good deeds already uh, helped so many people touched so many lives add that element with Al as well and yeah Al was a bit of a <laughs> a Barney Stinson or a Joey from Friends whatever you want to call him maybe a tad worse in some cases but adding that it humanizes Al a bit more I think not that he's not and we've had moments but this is a really big moment for Al. Um, but uh, if you didn't have this, this, yeah, the show would still be good. But you probably wouldn't. Again, like I said, it's a very important moment between Al and Sam, which is the key thing in this show with the friendship between these two as we go through the years with them. Mm, yeah. Yeah, very true. It's world building, I suppose, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah. I think, yeah, definitely. Basically, we, we then, I suppose, have a question of what if. Al's not been particularly honest about this. Why is Sam really there? And we cut to Skaggs walking into that dingy bar, and mm. it's a complete mood changer straight away. Yeah, it and goes. he sees the young Mexican lady and the baby sat there, and he starts having uh, funny little flashbacks to the story he told Sam at the very beginning of the episode about the baby in Vietnam and so on. And uh, the bar staff and other people drinking there. They all leave very quickly. This is a very classic bloody Western film moment. This yes. Is. <laughs> oh, basically, <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, like you said, the whole mood changes. But these people, like the even, no, no, I don't mean to be thingy, but like the guy behind the bar is like, what is she? So he asks for this woman, and she, he doesn't even say anything. He just points. She stood there looking like, I don't know, like she's just farted or something. I don't know. She looks scared anyway. That's probably a better way of saying it. And then he barely walk towards him the other all the patrons including the barman just leg it from this bar and all i could thought think was like tumbleweed and saloon doors was anything missing really this would be a western <laughs> the old jukebox scratching when he walks in and everyone turning around to look at him sort of yeah yeah who's <laughs> coming into our bar <laughs> yeah um this is when the, the the two scammers from the beginning of the episode jump out with guns they're pointing at skags and it becomes apparent that sam's actual mission in 1969 is to stop this this you know very capable and ambitious detective from getting murdered um this is resolved incredibly quickly because you know action scott turns up and sam's got a shotgun and blows them both away <laughs> in, a, in very assertive and you know, 1980s action movie star fashion. He, he kills both guys just out of the blue. Bang, bang, they're dead. And that's resolved, you know, effectively why Sam was really there. Yeah. But, but they're still there. They don't leave quite yet. And this, I think, was, again, like you mentioned earlier, Benny, we're getting more and more references. Maybe not more and more. We're, we're starting to get references then, apologies, of you know, who is leaping Sam around? Who is setting him these missions? Yeah. And the reference of he or them and pointing up to the sky and so on, it, it comes up again here. Because they're wondering, what, what Al wonders, why they're still here. Sam explains, well, perhaps he is giving you an opportunity to see Beth. So Al uh, goes into the house. He, he talks to her for a little while. Uh, Beth is sat there alone, smoking a cigarette, listening to some records. And then she laughs at a particular moment, which coincides with Al saying something slightly funny, a little joke. So the Al's thinking, OK, wh why can she hear me? Uh, uh, Beth, can you hear me? It's Al and all this sort of stuff. 
best stands up and walks straight through him. So that it instantly shatters that illusion that Al had. Beth then changes the record and starts dancing. Al, as best he can, obviously he's a hologram, is trying to dance with her without disappearing through her, I suppose. And yep. he, he talks to her some more, Benny, doesn't he? And it's quite a quite a touching scene, isn't it? The uh, bit also that if you picked, obviously she, when she passed through Al, or I think every other time so far, we see Al pass through something. They use that sound effect, the ding, 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 when he walks through. In this moment, because of the content of what's being said and you know him pouring his heart out and stuff, when she mm-hmm. passes through him, we don't have that sound effect. And I think oh, that yeah. adds to it more by not having that. Because I think if they put that sound effect in like they normally do, like when Al appears, he walks through a door, walks through a wall, or whatever he does, they, they normally put that sound effect in. Normally, it's like I think it's around normally his first appearance, but they didn't use it this sound effect at all because again I think it would have taken away from that moment yes what was going on um, and again I think if anything I've already said about the other scene with him doing the dialogue about being in love with Beth and everything and you get it once and all that um, this again Beth obviously does laugh and stuff but um, she's not really got any dialogue in this she's just walking around because she's alone by all intents and purposes so again I think very well acted by uh, Dean Stockwell and I think again we get a lot more He's not been in it the entire time, but the, when Al is there, the scenes that he has been from everything from talking to Sam up and toward into the sentimental moments, he's absolutely nailed it in this episode for me. Mm. You're right. You're 100% correct. Uh, we get the moment where Al, he basically he's, he's trying to tell Beth to, to wait for him. He's alive. Wait for me and so on. But of course, she, she can't hear. Al then gives her a kiss on the head and there's no hologram um, staging or, or anything or effects or anything here. He, he actually does manage, he does kiss her on the head in the program. A, a little bit of a step away from the rules of the show, I guess, but it didn't bother me. It worked for me. I thought it, yeah. I thought it was very good. I mean, you could be that guy and go, well, technically, who would have just gone no, into yes. a- Actually, actually, yeah. that shouldn't be. Yeah, well, yeah. fuck that. Yeah. Um- <laughs> our, uh, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it is a bloody great moment and I, I i know you'll get into it but when it's obviously when uh when sam leaps al disappears from there as well this is the, like one of the first i think it's the first time we see that um and then that horrible moment where if he'd have just hung on a few more seconds and beth just has a moment and says al and then she obviously breaks and it just it crushes you even more because it's just like he didn't hear her say his name not that she could have seen him but in that moment did she feel that he was there or was it just mm-hmm. re, re you know playing memories in her head i don't know but if if he'd have been there for what two and a half seconds longer she she would have said al yes um so i think would have given al that peace of mind a bit more not that she's not thinking about i think that's very evident through the entire episode but i think it would have you know, she she didn't just forget him and marry somebody is what I'm getting at, really. So yeah. I think that him, her just saying Al in that moment would have been a real vindication moment for Al, I think. Yeah, but again, it's just tinged with the sadness, isn't it? And yeah. the, the leap happens and, and uh, Sam and Al move on, I guess. And we don't see where they're heading next. We just go to the credits and it's Al and Beth dancing again and it's the georgia song which is really good really fits. yeah it's it's so 
it's so well done i think it's so well done in it would be very easy for al and sam to to leave 1969 sam to arrive somewhere and you tend to find when we get the, the little trailers at the beginning of an episode leading into what sam should be doing next there tends to be certain aspects to them one is humor they can be they can be very funny and make you chuckle and go oh, i want to watch that next week and never can be the shock value so whether that's the the leap where sam goes into somebody who a lady who is giving birth or when we saw him in a color of truth and he sees that he's black for the first time and, and so on so so that it could be humorous which wouldn't fit with the vibe of this episode you can have the shock value which would be what sticks in viewers' minds at the end and potentially take them away from the message and the story that we have from this first episode here. And or they're action packed and, and you know a proper cliffhanger one you to tune in. Which again, just by the nature of the beast being a cliffhanger and making you want to tune in, has you looking forwards to next week, not necessarily focusing on what we're seeing in the episode that we've just broadcast. I like the way that we had no little trailer on the end. Because we didn't have the humour, the shock, or the action taking away from what we had seen already in this really emotional and, you know, uh, well, a story that really pulls at your heartstrings, Benny. It would have been very easy for them to nullify the effect of it by having that little trailer, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you needed that. But I think you're right. I think you you just need... And I'll tell you what, it doesn't have... It, it emphasises even more the connection that uh, Al has with Beth and had with her so just to see that play out it was actually I, I think it was more because normally I watch the um, I watch the credits a little bit but I watch the, the cliffhanger and I watch the credits for probably four or five seconds because they show snippets don't they of the show normally of what happened and I'm, I'm kind of yeah. like next you know to be fair nowadays um in the in, in the original when i watched it originally i didn't do that but now i kind of go well that's it now now i've seen the cliffhanger of next week let's just you know move on basically but with this i, I found myself and i saw the uh what's the the logo at the end the blanivarus logo right at the end which i haven't seen for a long time because i've never okay. watched the full through the credits and i just i felt like i needed to just see this episode out and see this just end properly like mm. like almost like ending a chapter i guess which is ironic because it's the last episode of this podcast uh, for the season two, at least anyway. So, <laughs> so if that makes any sense, I don't know. If mm. I... No, no, I get you. I get you. Ah, uh, I mean, it's a really good film and they have like a song at the end and stuff. And the story's really good. And you just can't sort of, even though nothing happens in the credits, you just can't, you sort of mull it over, I guess, in that, in those three minutes of the credits, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? I get you. Ah, uh, okie doke. And um, before we get to to rating this episode and giving our usual summary of what we thought, um, the the next episode we're looking at is of course episode one of season three, which is the leap home, and it's a two parter. But we will cover it as we normally do, one episode at a time, I guess. Yeah, it's it's one that I remember being again emotional and pulls at the heartstrings because of the links to. Again, similar to this one, we've got links to Al's real life and his past. It's this, it's a similar sort of vibe, I guess, from that standpoint, because it's links to Sam's past and his life outside of the Quantum Leap project. But there ain't masses else, I remember. My only gripe, weirdly, I know we're not there yet, my only gripe about it is if you remember in season one, we get the phone call between Sam and his dad, yes. which is really good really good scene 
and we have a young Sam Beckett there, and we have Scott Bakula put the voice over the, the young lad as well. Yeah, makes sense. I'm not saying he plays it badly. I think it's just maybe the makeup of the time, but him playing his own dad, I'm not a big fan of. Oh, wow, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, that, that's my only... My only and it, uh, Scott Bakula does it well. I think it might. I think it's just a makeup of the time, I guess. Or I mean, I might feel different now when we go back to it now. But at the time, I remember thinking, I, I quite like the fella they picked in the uh, in the. I think it was in the in the Genesis into the like the the baseball leap. The guy that played his dad then, I thought was a nice bloke, and I thought that'd be quite cool to have him back. But they just had it so Scott Bakula played his own dad <laughs> which is which i is would have had ambitious. i would have had no idea that that happened until i pressed play well, maybe i shouldn't have said anything i apologize <laughs> <laughs> no 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 it's fine uh okay then so mia the last episode of season two of quantum leap um i'll be straight up with you benny i know i normally ask your thoughts first but i'll be straight up with you i think this is a hugely important episode for the whole the whole quantum leap world, I guess the story between Al Sam and their life and the quantum leap project and the background and also how much influences things that happen later in the the show. I think that Dean Stockwell's performance as Al is exceptional. Uh, For me, this is a five out of five. What are your thoughts? I was going to say five out of five. Um, I'm going to say 4.5 out of five. Okay. Not that it's bad. There's a few moments of the lads we talked about are a bit freaking annoying and stuff like that. Um, but I've also, I'm trying to sort of, I mean, five out of five is a fair score and I think that's freaking, I think you're right. But I'm also trying to be sort of like, look at it from another point of view as of how important this episode is in the grand scheme of things of yet to come for us. But if this wasn't, if this wasn't as important, like you've already stated, if this wasn't like a, you know, Al's story or essentially would it have been as good? Probably not. Um, but I think I'm also caught. I could say five out of five. I'm going to say 4.5. I'm going to stick to that. But is, I think it's because of where I know it's going and the, the core of the friendship was I've already talked about with these two. I think this is a big moment, but I think I'm thinking more about where this leads rather than this episode being oh, like, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. Um, so, but no, it's a solid 4.5 or 4.99, I will say for the first time ever. So it's not quite five. <laughs> um, because there's a few things that, you know, there isn't, it's, it's literally only those two guys mate, that annoy me to be honest. But as I said, mm. like you can think of that, if we, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to rant a bit here, but if we think of the Marvel films, right? Anybody that's watched the first 10 years up to Endgame, game, are going to go, Which yeah, not me. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go there. They're, they're bloody amazing. And to be fair, all the films are really good. There are a few in there that are good, but they're okay. There are some films in there that are bloody good and they're freaking amazing. But as a whole story, it is epic. And when you get to Endgame and stuff and when it all comes to comes together, it's amazing. But you couldn't have had that epic film at the end if you didn't lay down the foundations is what I'm getting at. So oh, yeah. not every Marvel film is amazing, but in the grand scheme of things in that opening 10 years up to Endgame, you know, from Captain America all the way up to Endgame, is the story is freaking amazing, and it was so cool to be a part of to watch it and to watch it play out. So that's kind of what I'm going at with this MIA is that yes, it's a bloody good episode, but I know where it leads and where obviously we'll get there eventually. But uh, like, it's a very important story 
but we don't really get there until the end. Do you know what I mean? If that makes yes. any sense to you, yeah? No, no, 100%. I totally get where you're coming from. Totally get where you're coming from. Ah, there we go then. So, that's season two of Quantum Leap finished with. Next time Benny and I sit down to record, we will be looking at the start of season three. Hopefully everyone will be uh, joining us as always. I've had a bloody great time doing this show. I love the fact we've got a routine now. We're getting shows out there all the time. So, I can't wait to crack on and get into season three, Benny. Before we depart, however, do you want to let everyone know whereabouts they can find your good self online and all of the many shows you are involved in, please? Uh, you can follow myself at Benny Mac, B Triple M Y M A C K. Uh, do twitch.tv forward slash Benny Mac Gaming. And Benny's spelt the same way with three N's in there as well. Um, obviously, I do In the Corner on SJP World Media. I'm part of this show as well, obviously. I was a guest the other day on the Doctor Who pod. Hopefully, you get invited back soon. I had a blast on that, mate. I know it's nowhere near out yet, but uh, I enjoyed that. And I can't wait for people to hear it. So I'm going to little plug. Yes. Be out for a couple. Be out in a couple of weeks. Or be out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gameplay junkies, we're doing at the moment. We do. Uh, we go live five thirty um, uh, UK time. Uh, talking games. At least past week, we did uh, some. Um, we talked about some space games basically and stuff and just me and jack are into our video games so we just talk video games what we like about them and blah 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 i could bore you with it but yeah you can follow that at gameplay junkies on twitter follow myself at benny mac like i've already said and uh, and in the corner you can follow at in the corner wwe where i talk current day wwe which is actually going live so this comes out tuesday so not this wednesday the wednesday after i think it is i think if i've worked that out correctly Yes, that is that is spot on. That is spot on. That is when it will be out, indeed. Ah, so there we go. Loads of stuff going on. Loads of stuff going on. And you mentioned SJP World Media there. Uh, that's where you can find anything I'm involved in. And it's the network that carries this show. So it's at SJP World Media on Facebook and Twitter and all your podcast players, platforms and providers. And it, you know, we look at not just me there's so many great content creators and, and show hosts and so on we have live content as benny mentioned we're in the corner starting uh in roughly seven or eight days when this comes out uh check that out on a wednesday night on uh sjp world media live stream options which are the facebook group youtube and twitch yep. we also have chain wrestling live on a monday night which is just me and my mate maxi just talking bollocks for two hours and being idiots <laughs> basically uh we have Don't more live that. content <laughs> Don't Sorry? do that to yourself. It's chain wrestling is a freaking hilarious show, and it's fun to be a part of in the chat sometimes when I actually manage to get to watch it all. Um, so don't oh, thank, you short thank you very much. Uh, we have more live content coming soon as well. Shows that hopefully will dominate your weekend if you are into your sport and so on, uh, involving people joining the network with a big project they are doing. I can't spill the beans too much on that just yet, but it is incoming very, very soon. And then the podcast side of things as well. There is pretty much a show out, at least one show out, every single day of the week on SJP World Media, covering pro wrestling, nostalgia, television, music, sport, all sorts of great stuff, and more and more coming all the time. That's at SJP World Media on Facebook, Twitter, and all your podcast players, platforms, and providers. Make sure you subscribe, like, uh, follow and all that good stuff there. Leave us a big fat five star review because I think we're bloody worth it. But there we go. Uh, but most importantly, you can follow this show itself on Facebook and Twitter and pretty much everywhere else again, I guess. At waiting room pod underscore. That's at waiting room pod underscore. Uh, so yeah, follow us, check us out, you know, check out the other content. Uh, let us know what you like, what you dislike, and uh, we will try and shape the network in the best way we possibly can to make everybody happy. Benny, it's been a blast, my friend. I'll speak to you again very soon.
uh, for the last time for season two. The leaping out, guys. <laughs>